Are we early, Mark? I don't know what happened. They told us to be here right about now. I don't see anybody else. Oh. How you doing? Good. Yeah? Anything yeah. crazy happening with you today? No. No? Hey, Mark. What? How's parenting going? No. Any crazy parenting stories, situations? Gosh. You know, they say it's like herding cats. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen that. There's like a whole video mm. of like herding cats, just mocking parenting. Um, we were hiking the other day, and our, our daughter, our infant daughter, who's not even two yet, is completely and totally fearless. So we're like up in the Granite Dells in Prescott. And like the older kids are all screaming and crying about like they're scared of this and the drop off over here. And the toddler is like inches away from falling to certain doom and is <laughs> laughing hysterically. And my wife and I are freaking out. Um, so that's like a picture of what every day is like. Nice. <laughs> Hurting cats. Hurting cats. Yeah. Kids almost falling to their oh gosh. doom. I imagine it's probably like you got kids that are driving now or getting close to driving. There's probably some of the same sense of impending doom related to driving. Just, <laughs> no, just to stay with me all the time. I will hold your hand forever. Yes. Yeah, I remember a time when they were little and we took a trip. So you, you guys went to Prescott? Yeah. We went to California. Ooh. Yeah. On purpose? Yeah, on purpose. We, <laughs> we were taking the kids to... Uh, um, yeah, California, we're going to, we're actually going to go to Natsbury Farm, but we got there a day early and I was like, let's go walk um, downtown Disney. And so when we were there, we were like walking right past the entrance to, you know, on one side, Disneyland, on the other side, uh, California Adventure. And I was like, oh my gosh, guys, look, there's the entrance to Disneyland. And they were, they were like, oh my gosh, we're going to Disneyland. And then I, I didn't like think through the whole thing. And I was like, no, that's just the entrance, but we're not going in. And they kind of looked at me and I remember my son was like, mom, are you trying to make us feel sad? <laughs> you really didn't think that one through, did you? No, I, I, I didn't. I, I didn't. So that sounds like something I would do on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was when they were, they still they remember still that. that they talk about it. Remember when you took us, didn't take us to Disney? That was. Remember when you dangled the proverbial carrot in our <laughs> like, face and then just yanked it away? Yeah, like literally walked us by the, oh, man. the entrance and said no. Yeah, I do that. I do that with my kids all the time. Like, you know we're gonna you know go somewhere or like have ice cream for dessert you know and then i'll just pick one kid like well except for you you know you just have you get to watch the rest of us eat it oh wow now they've learned at this point to understand my sarcasm and but my oldest will call me out daddy you know the bible says not to lie well the bible says to respect your parents so there you know <laughs> <laughs> i where's sean I don't, I don't know do you think do you think that we actually are going to be hosting i mean nobody's come here I wonder if maybe they finally like capitulated and acquiesced after all of our demands and, I'm gonna, and requests and I your pushiness. Well, I want to practice. Like, do, I think I could do it. Oh, you think so? Yeah. All right. It, well, give me, give me your best kind of like intro. <coughs> okay. Welcome to talking to humans. I am your host. How, how's that? I feel like that's not. Maybe, maybe try an accent. And I'm, oh, I can't do accent. What? You, you try it. You do you an can accent. do an accent. All right, here we go. Um, Hello, welcome to Talking to Humans, episode seven. My name is Mark. We're going to have some shrimp on the bobby after this. That's terrible. I don't know. It's yeah. like a, you know, one time I worked at a, a call center uh, selling, like cold calling people for air conditioning sales, like service and air conditioning units called Alaskan Air Conditioning. I should, probably shouldn't have said the name out loud, um, but I knew I wasn't going to keep working there. <laughs> so I spent an entire day 
uh, every call no. I would use a different <laughs> accent, including some that now would be considered uh, cultural appropriation. So mm-hmm. I won't do that on here. But yeah, that was young and stupid and they should have fired me before I quit. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to own or, it. Or Barry White. You familiar with Barry White? Hello. Welcome to season one, episode two of Talking to Humans. Like I'm your jazz. host. Yeah. You think would, that would really kind of. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I you mean, really want to put people to sleep while you're hosting a show, yeah. Though, right? Yeah. Hey, guys. Oh, my oh. gosh. I'm so sorry. I was so late. Oh, oh hey. Traffic, hey. Was, traffic was way busier than I anticipated. So is it? Is it? I'm sorry. Is it terrible that there was a degree to which we kind of hoped you, you weren't going to be here because that would have meant that like we, we, yeah, that, we were going to be hosts? No, that's actually really terrible. Oh. Um, you guys weren't practicing. She was. Oh, was. no. <laughs> no. I, we, we were just, no. I don't want to no. lead you on, but that's just not going to happen. Oh. You guys, oh, okay. Do you guys press record? No. no, it was like that when we walked in. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I, I'll cut it all out. Later, okay. So. Oh, it was re- it was recording, was it? I guess so. Oh. So yeah. Interesting. I'll listen Awkward. to it later. No, don't worry about it. <laughs> Great. Well, welcome to the season finale oh, of season fin- one of uh, Talking to Humans. Hey, Sean, welcome back. Uh, it's good to have you I've, back. I've been here. There's no welcome back. I've, I'm I'm the host of Talking to Humans. Oh. Welcome back to you guys. Oh. My yeah, guests, Mickey Demert and Mark Andrus. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing thanks. Great. Your hair looks great, by the way. Thanks, Thank Sean. you. Yeah, I got it Good retouched recently. It's, That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Looks good. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, season one, we have been looking at discouraging encouragement. We've yeah. heard from just a lot of people about different phrases that have been discouraging while they were meaning to be encouraged. And so for this episode, I wanted to kind of look at some of the themes that we've been seeing um, just across all the different types of phrases. So I'd love to hear what you guys have to think of the, the season so far. Yeah, I think a lot of the things were, well, one of them was just the, the intent to help and just kind of affirming mm-hmm. that, that people were coming because they, they care, they wanted to encourage, they wanted to, um, yeah, speak an encouragement or exhort. And so it's really coming from a place of I, I care and I want to help um, and maybe kind of not really thinking through exactly how it might have been received. What do yeah. you think, Mark? Yeah, I think that's that's definitely been a, a component of every story. I think m- most people don't most people don't walk into a situation thinking, "How can I make this worse?" Yeah, right. <laughs> How can I miss you? How can I amplify yeah. your pain? Like yeah. anybody that does that is just shouldn't be speaking generally. Um, one one theme that that has showed up throughout this it feels like uh, has been just the the importance of uh, of understanding biblical context. Yeah, uh, and so lots of different verses or or paraphrases of different verses that have been used uh, that that when kind of isolated from the greater context end up uh, being either misinterpreted, misapplied, and cause pain. One that one that I don't think got discussed this season, like what I hear a lot, is Jeremiah twenty nine, eleven, uh, which you know, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for a future mm-hmm. and a hope. You know, not mm-hmm. there's all sorts of different translations of it, but a lot of times people you know will use that. And go, hey, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Which then, when I experience things that aren't very wonderful, I go, yeah. well, God must not love me. Yeah. And the reality is, like, the context of Jeremiah twenty nine, like a couple of verses before, is God's plan for the Israelites is seventy years of exile captivity. Or, yeah, captivity. Yeah, he's like, here's seventy years of exile and captivity coming. Yeah. But don't forget, like, I, I, I know the plans. So, like, this is not going to be ultimate destruction, but yep. there's going to be pain yeah. and and refining and and pressing pain along the way. But that's an example of a verse that like when you just take that one, the one verse out of the context of scripture, 
uh, it ends up really kind of missing what's going on, missing both the person and missing scripture. And I think that's a theme that we've we've seen show up throughout this. Yeah, and I think even uh, reading our own thoughts into it, meaning uh, he has a, a plan for your life, like that equals no no pain or suffering. Like good things will happen. You'll you'll thrive and yeah. not have any. Yeah, suffering. I think I feel like as this season's been progressing, um, we've seen that it's really normal and probably a good thing to feel bad or sad or angry or upset. Like it's just a part of the human experience, unfortunately that we have to go through, but um, we don't want to diminish how people are feeling in these times. So we don't, when you're experiencing pain, you should feel that pain. Yes. Your goal isn't to try and just become happy. Yeah. Yeah. The, The appropriateness of, of lament. Yeah. And and, and I think sometimes, a lot of times we, we don't like how that feels and we want to rush past it and, mm. and not lament. Or kind of, I think what we have heard is that we, people don't think it was okay. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like one of the, the biggest things that I've learned um, as I've gone through this, this season is that sometimes there's not much to be said that yeah. you, it's okay to sit with someone who's in pain and to, and to let them feel that. Like there's, there's not, sometimes there's not a whole lot to say. Yeah. Like I think uh, Dave Lopez said it pretty well. You know, sometimes you just need to shut up and mm-hmm. just be quiet. Yeah. And because that person's feeling something and even if you mean the right thing, it might just not be helpful. Yeah. yeah. I think about like, Vicky, I think you, you've, you've talked to me about this before and mentioned different settings, but even looking at Job's friends. Yes. Like for a while, Job's friends actually were good friends. Yeah. They sat with them yeah. and weeped for like seven days. Yeah. And then they hit the they hit the end of their capacity for Job's suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, your your suffering is not too much for us to handle. And then they they tried to they tried to move him past it. In, in my role, I, I do a lot with bereavement, and and I'm actually planning two memorial services right now. Mm. And one of the things I see a lot of times is, um, is just the the pain and frustration of people who are still grieving. Uh, and still hurting from the loss and other people in the family, whether it's direct family members, you know, friends who are, you know, because they're not as affected because they weren't as close to the deceased, they're quote unquote moving on, moving forward. And they, they functionally kind of run out of patience yeah. mm. for, for those who are most closely affected. And we see, like I said, with Job's friends where they're, they're really good for a while. And that's like, all right, well, what's next? It's like people treat it like a sprint versus a, versus a marathon. Yeah. And Right away, there's we're there, we're helping, but okay, like let's move, let's yeah. move on. But what, what people, what people in difficult circumstances need is they need marathon runners alongside them. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a great little book um, that, I, that I read as part of my job, um, and and part of it talks about just caring, you know, caring for people who have lost loved ones, and how the first you know two or three weeks you know around everybody is there. It's almost overwhelming how much help there is and how much presence yeah. there is, but how quickly it goes from, you know, everybody's there and after two, three weeks, everybody goes back to normal life. And that's actually like three, four weeks afterwards, actually when you need the presence of people. But that's a lot of times where we feel tapped out and we don't have anything left to offer. And like, well, I was there. Yeah. That's even, even think about that. I think that was a theme is, is, uh, more so than the, the advice or the encouragement is the presence of somebody. I think that was just a theme that, that we've heard kind of throughout is if people were just with me. Um, whether they, maybe it was even better if they didn't say something. And Mark, you mentioned this proverb um, where it says, let's pull it up, Proverbs seventeen twenty eight. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they are, if they hold their tongues. You know, so maybe. That, that is a good one. 
Yeah, I've, I've had people. I've had people discouragingly use that against me after I've spoken when I shouldn't have spoken, and they'll just kind of oh. look at me and go, "Better to remain silent and let someone think that you're a fool <laughs> than to speak and prove that they're right." Um, not that we're calling people fools. Yes, no. I've had people call that. me a fool. Um, yeah, the, the, we we actually were at a we were at a conference um, this this past weekend. Uh, the, the theme of the conference was the priesthood of all believers, um, and this this theme of priesthood that runs throughout Scripture, um, and and priests were the one who, you know, God's presence was with them. The priests went into the tabernacle in the old Testament and the tabernacle is where heaven and earth met and where people transacted with God. And when you get into the new Testament and you have Jesus, how he says, you know, John one, so then he be, took on flesh and dwelt among us, literally he tabernacled among us. And now that Jesus is gone, he sent his spirit to dwell in us. And this yeah. theme then that runs throughout scripture is that the dwelling place, the tabernacling place of God is now in us. It's no longer in a, in a low singular location, uh, but it's in each individual person. And so when you talk about, you know, the, the presence even being more important than what it is that you're yeah. saying, I think about like, what is it, what is it that you and I and somebody else has to bring to another person in, in difficulty and in suffering? We actually, we get to bring our presence and not just our presence, but the spirit of God in us. And so when we are present with someone in their suffering, we're actually tabernacling with them. We are ourselves with them, but then we are also bringing the presence of God who is dwelling in us through his spirit also yep. into that situation um, such that we, we, we feel this, this urge, I must say something, I must help in some way. And we, we make it more difficult sometimes than it needs to be when a lot of times, you know, Sean, like you, you, you repeated what Lopez said, the best thing is sometimes to say nothing and to just be with the person. And, and when you're doing that, that's a tremendous picture of Jesus in a lot of moments when he's just with people in some of their most you know, painful times. Yeah, and I think we want to help people and we care about their suffering and we don't want, we want to relieve their pain, which yes and amen. But um, I think, I think about Jesus when he, he saw people and, and he was moved with compassion. And, and so I think this, this idea of validating pain, I'm even thinking about um, when Mo, Mo was here and um, just talking with her about just being like, that's hard. That's really, that's really hard feels overwhelming. Like there was, a, there was a lot going on with her dad and her wedding and, um, just validating, gosh, this is painful. Yeah. Like, Oh, you see my pain. Yeah. Yeah. The, the last thought just in terms of a theme that shows up throughout this, uh, is the moment at which the moment at which anyone feels like they're qualified. Mm. And they're sufficient, particularly to be a helper. Like I know what you need. I can bring what's needed. The moment which you feel qualified or sufficient is actually the moment when you're least qualified and sufficient. Like the best thing, the best thing that you can bring to somebody is actually your, your humility and your curiosity mm. and saying, I don't know the answers. I, you know, I know who knows the answers yeah. and I want to look together at Jesus with you. Um, but I want to, I want to ask more questions. Yeah. I want to, I want to be involved in the situation. I want to be with you. Um, and so like I said, anytime the, Anytime the focus turns off of God who is sufficient and does promise to walk with us through suffering, be present with us, you know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. The moment our, our vision turns off of God and onto, I am the person that has what you have, you know, I, I'm able to bring what you need. Uh, that's when we find ourselves least, least effective as, as helpers and humans. Yeah. I think that's feeling though, like if I don't have an answer or something to offer, somebody's coming to me and they're, they're in great pain. And I, it feels insignificant just to, to say that, like, I'm not helping. Like, I feel like I'm and and part of that is true. Um, 
and I am needy and God help. What kind of kind of reminds me of a phrase that my dad would commonly say when I was a kid is if you're talking, you're not listening. Mm. And it sounds like from what you guys have been saying, it's when you're there and listening, like yeah. people just want to be heard. Yep. They want to be acknowledged that what mm-hmm. they're going through is That's hard. Right. And so if you're talking, sometimes you could say something really good and something helpful, yep. but just the idea of you not listening is hurtful. That's so good. And so and that doesn't, and that doesn't mean there's not a place to talk. Yeah. Right. Like there's a, there's a tension as a counselor and Vicki, you probably speak to this even more than I can. There's a tension you feel sometimes of, okay, well, what, what you're, I want to validate what you're feeling, but there's also sometimes some, like there might be wrong, false things that you're believing about God or a way that you're interpreting scripture or something that, mm-hmm. that does need to be addressed. And so that doesn't mean never talk, but there, there does typically seem to be an appropriate order, which is why would I ever assume to understand you enough to speak into your situation and try to bring that kind of correction or redirection if I haven't first done enough active listening to actually really know where you're mm-hmm. at instead yeah. of hearing you for three seconds yeah. and then saying, okay, now I have you evaluate. I know exactly what you need. Yeah. I, I make that mistake far too often in counseling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Timing matters because we, we, and I think we saw this with all scripture, like um, the timing and the way that you bring it actually matters. Mm-hmm. And do I know you? Because actually if I listened more and got to know and assumed that I don't know, it might change what, what passages we go to. Or maybe there is already a passage that's speaking um, that's already encouraging and, and um, that would lead the direction. But yeah, I think time, timing matters, questions matter. Um, one thing, Ed Welch, he's a CCF uh, faculty professor, says, uh, ask, what's one more question I can ask? Mm. What, right, that, that there's something else I don't know yeah. and I'm going to assume I don't know. Yeah, because it's, I mean, it's helpful if, if you're in pain and someone's curious about it. Yeah. It, I mean, that feels good because it just, it, sh- it shows another depth of care. Yeah. Because like we've talked about being with someone shows that you care, but then also being curious. Like, I think, Mark, you already said, you know, talking about that, but like being curious shows another depth of, like, I want to get into this with you and I, I want to hear what you're going through. And if I'm telling you my pain, it doesn't mean that I'm asking you to fix it or take it away. Yep. Right. I'm, I'm actually just wanting... Uh, yeah, you to be with me in it. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me on my season finale of uh, season one of Talking to Humans, talking about discouraging encouragement. I really appreciate you guys. Um, until next time, we start season two. Thank you. See you guys this later. Been great. Thanks, Sean.